right, what's going on, y'all? Time to run one. Quick little session here. Uh, no, we came on a little late, but uh, I had to handle some things. But uh, the guys are here. Got a three-man weave going. Uh, Chris and Josh alongside me. Uh, Chris going to head out in a little bit, and then we're going to uh, substitute Gabe in. You know, seamless. That's how we do. But, uh, yeah, just uh, doing a quick quick session here this Wednesday. Switch the day up a little bit. And uh, actually going to have another uh, feature presentation going on later this week that I'll talk about it towards the end of the show. Uh, but uh, for now, you know, I don't want to waste much time because I said we only going to have Chris for about half the show. But uh, really – I think this this episode we just gonna just toss some things out because there've been some you know there, there's been some interesting stories come out this week. There may be a couple things that I want to bring up with y'all that I've actually already talked with uh, Drew about on my show Monday. So uh, you know it's pretty you know a pretty okay that Drew is not going to be here tonight because because uh, we already talked about the Scotty stuff. But I, I do want some opinions on that in a minute. But uh. I don't know what you guys, you know, I, I know, Chris, I know you wanted to talk a bit about, and, and I do too, uh, Morris and, and Jokic. And um, there's also, I want I want to get into a little bit of the, uh, you know, some of the surprises coming out of the first couple of weeks. I think maybe at the top of that list, maybe the Bulls' next two opponents, arguably, tonight's opponent, uh, but definitely Friday's opponent, those Warriors, who have uh, really blazed out to a nine and one record, but um, I don't know. For you know, you guys want to start on the Scotty stuff or what? Fuck Scotty, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that's a yes and a no. But uh, I mean, what, what's up, Chris? What, speak your mind, man. Oh, he got already got the book. He already got. The, oh, you got pre-ordered it, huh? I, I, no, I, 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 missed, uh, I had to pre-order. I'm just waiting for the spirits. I'm just waiting for the spirits now. But Josh looks like he in support, man. I don't know about all that, man. I just want to see what kind of bullshit he's putting out. That's all I want to see. <laughs> see, that's the thing, though. Know, I think I think the book is gonna be underwhelming, man. He he, the way he's selling it, I think the book is gonna be underwhelming. I I would I would love if you read through it and give us a review on an upcoming show. Josh, you know, let us know what you think. Yeah, but uh, what? what let, let's I'm go back to you, Chris. Man, what, what's what's on your mind in regards to Scotty? I think today, what, let me say, let me set up a little bit more. The as far as the book tour and the the media push, you know, he comes out today. The news today is more about the way that he's uh sort of retextualized the flu game now. Like he, he's trying to say that Mike ain't really do nothing in comparison to him and his back that he had to deal with in that series. But uh, you know, one one thing I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it off to my man Bomani Jones, who uh he had a tweet online. He had a tweet on Twitter that's first he had a a, a quote tweet over Scotty talking to Frank Isola, and he and he asked the simple question, "Why is he doing this, man?" That was Bo's first quote. And then under it, uh, let me get this up. Uh, a respondent 
you know, sort of got him to say, you know, or no, both both said it himself that the problem with Scotty's point is that you don't get credit for a bad back game when you play like you've got a bad back. I mean, obviously, it's reasonable to play like you got a bad back when you got a bad back, but they don't make movies about that kind of stuff. Essentially, if you don't get essentially, if you remember or if you could look it up, Scotty, yeah, he didn't play well with the bad back. And of course, you could say, well, it's harder to play with a bad back than playing with the flu. No argument there. But at the same time, what Mike gets plotted for, what he gets raised, what he get, what, what added to his legend in that game was the fact that he played beyond himself and that he won the game and scored what 35 points and all that. And, you know, the dramatic thing with him. You know, the image of him getting carried off by Scotty off the off the court, he him needing that much support to even get off the court late in the game. So, you know, Scotty, you know, he trying to he, he, he just throwing out this stuff, man. And I don't know how much we can really, you know, really back his word. I think, like I said, I was going going back again to Bo. You know, uh, so he responded to someone and, and said, how much appreciation do you think Scotty is supposed to get? He's in the Hall of Fame. He made the NBA top 50. What more does he want? And I that's pretty much my thinking. Like what 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 added context does he need for his right. for his career? Maybe what what added bonuses and applause does he need from what he did? I don't think it's about that, man. I, I really don't because even the guys who had to deal with a ton, a ton in their careers on and off the court, I'm thinking of like Oscar Robertson, uh, Walton, Mary, they could put that, they could put it in context. Chris? Is Chris freeze up? I believe yeah, it looked like he may have froze up. Uh, he was like, we'll try to get him back on. Okay, he's coming back on. All right, Chris? Was, oh, I was off? Great. I just, yeah, he I just froze it. Yeah. And then lost y'all. <laughs> hey, see if you could get, get it back up, man. Oh, dog. Uh, signal gear getting low. Uh, why, why, uh, why you get fixed, though? Josh, like, you got the book, man. So it seems like you you buying into it, man. What, what's your thoughts, though, on, on what's happened in the past? I'm, I'm letting Scott tell his side of the story. I, I'm, I'm the type of person where I do want to hear, see, but, you know, I'm intrigued on what his side of the story in, in his book Really is. I think he's going. I think obviously, aside from what he's been dealing with in his life, especially as a recent um, with the passing of his son and and whatever and other uh, issues that he's dealing with, I also do think and believe that um, he has a hard time balancing balancing uh, the realities of life versus his emotional state of how things really should be. 
there's a reason why uh, people say jealousy is love and hate at the same time. Like, I think he loves the fact that he's notarized. He's a Hall of Famer, top 50 player, arguably the greatest, um, you know, wingman or Robin you could ever have in history, um, especially in the way that they did it, playing for such an iconic dynasty. Um, I think you can't ask for a better script, but at the end of the day, he also, I think he also hates the fact that even though he is as high as he is in the status of this league and in this world of this world, and especially when it comes to his resume, it'll never top how people truly view him compared to the one he helped get to that elite level, which is, Mike, which is Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan has that status to a point where even though Scottie Pippen does have a lot, he just wants a little bit more. He wants to view it as an equal uh, thing. And that's what it comes off of. And whether he gets a just do or not, I don't know. Because at the end of the day, I think he's right where he needs to be and where he should be. He's praised as a top 50 player, Hall of Famer. Only person that can win six straight, no, you know, win three straight back-to-back championships. One of the only few people in Hall of Famers to do it. Um, play the, you get you know, to say that Mike didn't win without him. It, just like he didn't win with Mike, but he gets to right. say that Mike didn't win without him. But Chris, uh, thanks for getting back on, bro. Let's, uh, pick pick back up where you uh, was, was going, man. Um, there's a couple of things at work here, and uh, one of them is insecurity. Yeah. I don't know if y'all watched the um, the stuff they would do over the summer on Inside the NBA. Um, can't even remember the show, but they would just have guys on to talk about stuff. Oh, it like the arena show? Um, it wasn't. I don't remember what. Oh, no, no, uh, uh, open court. I know, that's what you're yeah, about. open court. Yeah. yeah, and there was an open court about. Um, I think it just basically devolved in the guys, the players that the guys on the panel didn't like, and um, there was one part where Isaiah Thomas got on the couch, and was talking about that dream team uh, roster that he didn't make. Where you know as all these controversies been that Mike and Scotty didn't want him on the dream team, and he's he said he's like I'm okay if Mike didn't want me on, but Scotty, Scotty Pippen, and there's some perception for whatever reason that Scotty Pippen is not deserving of of his place in NBA lore. Kind of what Josh was talking about, not necessarily that point, but that Scotty has this, and there is a segment of players I think that don't believe he should be elevated to that spot. Scotty was kicking ass from 87 on until like at least 2000 that from that first year that he got into the, he wasn't, you know, great shakes when he got in the league, but he probably should have made the all-star team in 91, just missed out. And then he didn't really stop. You know, he had back problems. He had injuries, this, that, and the other, but Scotty kicked ass for the entirety of the nineties, pretty much, whether that was with Mike or without that 94 bulls team made the second round of the playoffs and should have made the conference finals. That's a fact. Yeah. The other, the other thing honestly is I, it seems like ever since things went bad with his wife and future got and future came in the picture on and all that, he, you know, he just, and I, you know that might sound flipping, but it's, you know it can't be. It really can't be because things like that can really throw you for a loop. Yeah. So I don't know why. It's interesting it's, to me, right, right, right. Quick, it's interesting to me that with the media that he's talked to, like, like nobody really got at him about that, about that stuff. Like, 
you know, he, he talks that question. Well, uh, uh, that's just that's the thing. He hasn't gone to people who would ask that question. Like, if like he if he gets on the Breakfast Club, what they gonna ask? They gonna ask him about Mike, but they gonna ask him about Future too. So yeah. I'm wondering if he if he is gonna branch out into that area. You know, like he he wants to sell his book. That's obvious. So he may have to go into these other waters and where, where the future stuff might come up. But for now, Josh, Josh peeking through, like, do we see future name? But uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I just, I just was thinking about that right quick. That as you mentioned that, yeah. I mean, that's you know, that's that's about it. So yeah. you know, whatever, whatever is causing them to focus that on Michael. Um. I think it's it's an unfair lashing out at Michael, man. And you know, nobody needs to defend Michael. Michael can defend himself. Michael is in such a big, a, a, such a tall ivory tower. He don't give a damn really what most folks got to say about him, even Scottie Pippen. But at the same time, it's like, man, why? You know, Mike ain't never played you out like that. You you could talk all you want about the documentary and be like, well, it should have been about the Bulls, but. It's going to be about Michael in the end. When you talk about the 90s Bulls, you talk about Michael Jordan. When you talked about ER in the 90s, you was talking about George Clooney. You were talking about uh, my man uh, Eric LaSalle, even though Eric LaSalle may have been dope and deserved some credit. You know, George Clooney was the star of that show. Michael Jordan was the star on the, on the 90s Bulls. So when you talked about The Last Dance, and the, when that last dance, when that footage was being uh, collected by the NBA uh, production staff, whoever that was, back in 98, 97, 98, yes, they were following the team, but they were following the team because that was Michael's team, because that was the team of the 90s that raised him up to the level of possibly being the greatest of all time, of, the, of this and that. And that last run, we know it was collectively going to be that team's last run, but more so than that, it was probably it was going to probably be Michael's last run ever as a player. His last season as a player, he already retired once. He he had, was on record as saying he wasn't interested in playing for any other teams. So, you know the the feeling when he made that shot at Utah to to clinch the title was that he was done after that. That was his moment going off into the sunset. So that whole season was essentially about, it was about the last dance. It was about the last run of this Bulls team, but it was it was more so than that about the run, the last run of Michael Jordan and him going off into the sunset. So that's what the project eventually was going to be about. This whole grand thing that ESPN put together with the NBA was going to be about Michael Jordan it was at the center. He was going to be at the center of everything. But Scotty to be so upset about that, I think in some ways he's sort of projecting that as his shield. Like that's what you know. That's where all this stems from. But it's, it's got to be some other deeper stuff involved in that. And I don't. I don't know if he's ever going to admit to any of that. It may take some outside reporting for that. Someone else to dig into the situation. But Scotty. You know, I, I just don't – that's at that center, that him leading with that issue, that the last dance wasn't enough about him. When he got plenty of props in the last dance and they dealt with his 
his failures, or as you know, for lack of a better word, his, his missteps, I should say, they dealt with them even-handedly, I believe. They didn't dump on him and say that he really risked anything or that he – they just dealt with him as, as they dealt with pretty much everybody else on the show. And you know, I don't understand why he thought this should have been any sort of different uh, you know, uh, depiction in that way. Yeah, I mean, and I'll even just to take it even a little bit of a step further. He claim he claims that he didn't know it's gonna be this much about Michael Jordan, but if you knew, you agreed to do it anyways, and you spoke, and yeah. that was your chance to spoke your entire truth on that yeah. documentary. So if he kept, right, if he said that stuff to those producers for that documentary, you think they was gonna leave that out? Right. <laughs> They might have cut some stuff, but they would have. They would have let him flame Jordan. Uh, you know, we we had we got plenty of heat from uh, Horace Grant on that series. You know, yeah. he he spoke his mind. So if they had Scotty there speaking his mind like he was today, like he's been doing today. They would have definitely left that on the series. Well, all I know is that I'm gonna find out. <laughs> and one of his last chapters. Okay. It's titled My Last Dance. Yeah, My Last Dance. Man. Yeah, his last dance. So I want to see what his last dance is about. And, and you know what? And look, look, I'm say I'll say it like you said, Josh, he has the right to say the story from his point of view exclusively. But it's like I just don't understand why it, it's this airing of grievance thing. It could be like, look, I'm filling in the blanks. I'm giving you more of myself in the story. You know, instead of him having to dump on everybody else. One more thing I wanted to speak. This this is a tweet that caught my eye today. Another tweet. And this is why, uh, actually, Chris, that we're going to have a special guest on next week uh, by the name of Roland Lazenby. And if you talk about people who covered the 90s Bulls thoroughly, he's up at the top of the list. He wrote multiple books uh, dealing with that, with that team and that, that time frame. And um, uh, Cat Miles Brown, I think a lot of people are familiar in basketball Twitter, he took an excerpt from uh, – he didn't know it, I guess, when he posted it, but uh, in the in the thread below it, they found it was revealed that it's from Roland Lazenby's uh, – one of his books. And the <laughs> I, I tell you, this, this excerpt is insane. I didn't know this story. I don't know if either of you two did. But it, it explains how close Scotty and Horace Grant got to each other during the first uh, the first three-peat, and they became uh, almost like brothers. Uh, you know, uh, Lazenby quotes Grant as saying that he was like a twin brother, even though he already had a twin brother in Harvey Grant, who was also an NBA player. And they he, he goes on to write about Scotty calling in one day and saying and, and saying he's gonna skip practice because his cat died, and Horace called in 15 minutes later and said he was with Scotty because of the grieving. And he, he writes that Johnny Bach was absolutely furious. He got on, he got Horace on the phone and said, You get here, you ought to throw that cat in the garbage can. And Horace with uh, you know, it's, it's, it's reported that when the team later got together, Horace wanted to have a moment of silence for the cat. And the tweet that Miles Brown you you uh, said over that 
excerpt is that Mike won three straight with these dudes. I don't want to hear shit else. <laughs> essentially, essentially saying that this kind of uh, it kind of uh, enhances Mike's goathood that he mm. won with these That's stupid. While these talented, <laughs> while talented guys were sort of off of their square a bit, and, and uh, you know, I, I kind of agree with that. I think, it, I think, in the end, Mike's reputation is only going to be enhanced by all this because he won with he won with some nutty dudes essentially who wasn't on his who wasn't necessarily on his same level in regards to devotion. To the game, you know that that may be how this comes. It may not be fair entirely, but that may be how, in general, we come to look at this because of this airing of grievances, this airing of garbage that Scotty wanted to start. Hey, you know, I just wonder if I just wonder if eventually, you know how we, you know how you know Michael Jordan had his documentary. They talk about the Bulls and everything. I wonder if LeBron's gonna have his eventually down the line. You know, Kyrie Irving maybe coming out and saying some of the same stuff. Because well, I mean, that, that could be very messy. It, it can be, but that was the whole point of the beginning of the breakup, right? Uh, Kyrie reportedly telling people, you know, much as I love LeBron, cool, but I want to do this on my own. I don't, I don't need LeBron. I'm tired of playing with LeBron. You know, those were the reports that came out, and although. That was some of it. There's, there was some truth to it reportedly, and um, you know, supposedly they're they're cool, but you know, there's always been this underlying tone w- between the Kyrie LeBron James relationship, and Kyrie did hit that big shot to give LeBron his championship. I just wonder if he's gonna come out and be like, I don't get no credit because I hit that shot, you know, or, or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, like I just wonder if he's gonna pull that pull that move maybe down the line too. And if that happens, that's gonna be interesting. I would love to see that and read it if any of that stuff comes out. But yeah. you know, it just it just puts you in a perspective of how if Sky was willing to go through this, I could see maybe something like that happening with you talking about LeBron and Kyrie and what he brought to the table, even though Kyrie's not like a top fifty player or anything like that. But he's gonna be eventually a potentially a Hall of Famer. And then all the stuff that's going on with him, you just never know. Definitely, definitely. And you know. LeBron, I think, is going to be particularly interesting because of the multiple stops and the. There's just an added drama in in what's gone on and how things are played out in this era, as opposed to like on its surface the drama uh, that wasn't there with the '90s. Because if if you had that '90s team, if you had this cat incident in 2011 and not '91 or whatever it had, but you know, sometime thereabouts. Though we would have learned about this somehow on on Twitter or on ESPN, somebody we would have learned about it, but mm-hmm. in, in a much different way than in a book, you know. And, and it would have been much more of a how many you know how many uh, memes would have come from Scotty mourning for a dead cat, you know, if <laughs> if it happened during the Twitter age, you know. I mean, it's it, it's insane to think about, but but uh. Uh, Chris, I want to go back to you, man. Before you, before you dip out, man. I know you had a couple, uh, a couple other things you wanted to talk about, but uh, you know, first I want to get your thoughts on that on the Morris Jokic situation. Anybody who's followed hoops of, is you know aware of this over the past couple of days. You know, uh, Morris hit Jokic. You know, Miami and Denver were playing 
and uh, Jokic came and hit him in the back, ran into him. Uh, he, you know, he was on the ground for a while, had to be carried out. Uh, the, the, it carries over into the locker room. Miami wanting to get, you know, uh, Jimmy Butler, you know, talking a bunch of stuff, and them, them guys waiting in the hallway apparently for Denver. <laughs> you know, it, it's it, all this. You know, fast forward a bunch of stuff on Twitter happened with the bro, uh, Mark Marcus's brother, Mark Markeith's brother, Marcus, and. Uh, Jokic's brothers, who maybe some ex-commandos or something—I don't know what type of dudes they are—but they look like some tough dudes. And uh, uh, eventually, we get a one-game suspension for Jokic, uh, fine for Morris and for Butler. And uh, you know, just right quick—you know, what are your thoughts? Whose side are you on uh, with that? No, but it's, it's this thing that happened. Uh, Morris hit Jokic blind. Jokic came back and gave him one of the kidneys. Fines were doled out, suspensions were doled out. The one thing that I probably have an issue with is that Jimmy's Jimmy's rep took a hit in my mind because Jimmy has that old school toughness aura about him, but he wasn't trying to step to Jokic and his brothers because there's a lot. You you Donis Haslam was on the bench, and I think he stayed on the bench because rules say you have to be on the bench, but you Donis Haslam. All 58 years old of him will probably have squared up with Jokic no matter the outcome. Jimmy, you know, Tyler Hero wasn't about that. Uh, I'll give Bam some credit. He pulled him back. Um, but none of those cats were about that, man. Buddy is from Buddy is from the same country as Slobodan Milosevic. Mm. And shit, you, shit, shit else you can say. Zach Randolph mm. quotes, man. In Jokic's hood, the bullies get bullied. So all Miami does is look bad here. And I don't know if y'all heard the Heat broadcast because I, I made a point to listen to that. They should be ashamed of themselves. Like, I know you gotta, you have a responsibility to the team that employs you and whatnot, but the way that they downplayed Morris's foul was, was, was reckless. Like, they were like, oh, yeah, so he got fouled. <laughs> and then Jokic hit him in the back with a cheap shot while his back was turned. It was like, yeah, his back was turned because he hit one of the bigger dudes in the NBA blind and then thought he wasn't going to do shit. So yeah. shout out to the Morris twins getting their just desserts. You say, say Miami broadcast was on some Hawk Harrelson. <laughs> they was homing up for real. I mean, there's a, it's funny you put that. It's funny you say that. Cause there's a fight that the Tigers and White Sox had back in 2000, which was like the first news story I ever wrote. I wrote for, for my grade school, newspaper and that fight was crazy there were there were like two or three fights in the same game and hawk and dj called that one pretty straight down the middle like it's probably the most even-handed i've seen hawk harrelson ever be so we know that he didn't usually do that he went downstairs yeah. <laughs> after tom frazier got hit by a pitch and was ready to do something <laughs> but it's, it's ridiculous for them to call that the way that they did when everybody saw what happened. You know, these aren't Zenith TVs anymore. We can all see what's happening. We all have high def digital. So, and we all know what Mark Keefe and Marcus Morris have done in the past. So yeah. it's really, the only story is the sensationalizing of it because we've seen this as 
basketball fans and basketball players. We've seen this play out in front of our own eyes, just on a court somewhere far away from a stadium. Dude gets hit, another dude hits back. Either they fight or they fight and you break it up. And then maybe you finish the game, maybe you don't. Right, right. All right. I appreciate that, man. Wait, you got anything else you want to uh, spit out before you go? Uh, no, that one, the first one would take too long. Oh, oh, oh. Um, I know it's not the same. It's not basketball stuff, but the fact that GG had to pay $30,000 and Aaron Rodgers had to pay less than fifteen is dumb as fuck. <laughs> Rodgers endangered countless lives. And Jimmy just was, Jimmy was just yapping from the bench. So, I don't know how the NBA P- NFL PA got so powerful in about a week, but good job. Well, stars good all, job stars always get certain treatment. And but Alan Alan Lazard only had to pay fifteen thousand too. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's that's probably too just a whole thing about what they're prioritizing. Like, like you saw how that Bears got done on Monday. Like for you know, yeah, about. You know, some they they emphasize all this taunting stuff that doesn't lead to anything. But like you say, when you endanger your whole franchise and possibly the league by going out, you know, with a note with with the the virus that shut down North America and every and all the the world basically for a while, you know, they, they don't really care that much about that. I don't know. This is. NFL, NFL, they care about money. They care about that bread. Yeah, yeah that's me. James Harden is not a top five dead or alive shooting guard. Yeah, y'all was y'all was going deep on that. I was going to think about jumping into that, but y'all was. Uh, I, I didn't have enough time on my hands for that. But but you're you're you you said you're you're against James Harden being seen as a top five shooting guard. Uh, well, I, I mean, I think that's. I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I don't – everybody praises his efficiency, and it's like, yeah, he found a loophole in the system that they're going to call fouls at contact and they can't see every single thing that happens. But now yeah. he's casting focus on you and you're averaging 15 a night. <laughs> I can't I can't respect – you know, no matter what Davis says, and I respect Ken Davis so much, he knows his shit, but I, I just can't. When when a dude when so much of your game is predicated on somebody else, <laughs> when your game is predicated on the referee making a decision, knowing how that is probably the most difficult officiating job in professional sports, refereeing basketball, I it's hard to respect that. And now when things come around and you can. If like if you're trying to do the same things, knowing that they're not going to work, man was frustrated. He was so frustrated after he hooked Lonzo on Monday, and they called that offensive foul. It was he he had the look like when you're arguing with your significant other or your child, and they just storm out of the room, and you're just like, "What can I do?" That's how he. Looked. <laughs> so he's he's good. Yeah. David says long season. He. Can figure he can figure it out. He's a, he's a professional basketball player. He's a superstar, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, his he has abilities. You see, when you see him shoot the ball at times, he could shoot from thirty feet like the way that people want to shoot. I mean, that he could play the game today that 
that we want people to play. He could shoot the ball 30 feet. He could make he could make uh create off the dribble. He could he's of he could maybe an underrated passer. But you know, like he said, so many people don't like the way he plays at the essential level where it comes to the way that he generates so much of his offense. And you know, hey, I'm I'm in a lot of ways I'm like whatever works works. I think but I, I do agree with with most folks in that. Yeah, he he needs to not be so reliant on the reps. Like it's one thing to to you know get you a few extra free throws uh, every game, you know, initiating contact. But when you flop and you do all these things that are just so uh, you know against the natural order of offensive basketball, it's like you know that that's what that's what pisses people off about. And that's that's not the what people always seem to say is like, oh, his game's not aesthetically pleasing. He's like, no, that's yeah. not the point. His game is not predicated on trying to put the ball in the basket. His game is pre- he's trying to play football. Like he's trying to stop the game and get free throws. Sure, yeah. it's efficient, but it's not a fi- it's it's efficient within that that particular he, rule set. He wants to put like, the ball in the hoop, but with with his least bit of challenge as possible. You know, yeah, and you know, there's something to that, but it's it makes you era dependent, and that's why we question 0506 Steve Nash's trophy. That's why we question, uh, you know, other guys for the things that they were able to do. Uh, and so, if if Harden wants to put himself in that box, and his supporters want to do the same, and more power to him. But we look askance at you, askance. <laughs> and and you can look at at least three of the, the 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 people you would obviously put ahead of him as shooting guard. You know, Mike, Kobe, and uh, Clyde Drexler, and they've all carried teams to greater degree than he did. Even even D Wade, yeah, D Wade, D Wade, D Wade is fourth, and yeah, so same can be said for him. That's my that's my dollar. That was more than two cents. That was like that was that was like fifty cents. <laughs> hey, hey I pre- we appreciate it, man. We appreciate yeah. it. It's nice to buy a Big Mac from time to time instead of just the McChicken. So it's cool. It's yeah. cool. Hey, that hot and spicy McChicken will carry you, boy. Boy, that sandwich will carry you, boy. Oh, you there? That was out. All right, All right Chris, man. man. We'll let you go, bro. Enjoy the rest of your evening. And uh, we'll see you next week. I know you ain't going to miss the Rolling Lazenby show. No, no, I can't miss that one. No, sir. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we, yeah, so we'll, that'll be next week. And uh, like I said, we'll have more about this Friday as well uh, for the next about five minutes or so. Uh, me and Josh should hold things down as we wait on uh, the game and finish off the show with us. But, uh, I don't know, man. This uh, any anything on your mind? I know the Bulls have tipped off. Uh, why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't we give you your thoughts on on the Bulls right now and uh, coming off of that Monday win? Pretty impressive. Uh, again, sort of a sort of a come you know comeback effort, but a, a really a effort effort where they dominated late. You know, forty some points in that last quarter. Mm-hmm. Really took over things against the Nets, and uh, you know, what, what, what were your thoughts coming off of that game? 
where, where they needed. And, and I, I was like, coming into that game too, me and Drew was talking, and we were both trying to, you know, tamp down the levels of disappointment from the Philly games. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, I said it, I said it on Monday. I was like, man, they, I, I, I really don't want them to see them, see them lose a third game in a row. And, you know, it, it was great that they came out and, and got that. one. Yeah, it was a great, it was definitely a great win. I, I'm trying to figure out what's more appealing right now. The fact that the Bulls are in these all black pinstripe unis or the fact that Zach Levine's out and play is out here playing in the space jams. I just, I just wonder, I'm just trying to figure out what's most unique right now, or a special moment right now. So I hope that since Levine got these Space Jams on, he better drop a 40-piece. But that's, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Oh, man, that's great that you're talking, you're messing with. But, but <laughs> overall, like you said, with the Bulls, man, um, it was a great win. It was a, it honestly, it was, a, it was a needed win, not just because of the fact they needed to bounce back from Philly, but it was actually a statement win for them. Um, mm-hmm. I think them winning against the Brooklyn Nets showed that, okay, this isn't a fluke. Like, we are and can be one of the top teams in the East, if not the NBA, if we play this certain way of style, especially when you talk about how many critics, including us, have said, you know, Brooklyn has a high, has a pretty decent chance of at least making it to the Easter Conference Finals with the two, with the talent that they have. And to have, you know, the Bulls go against that talent, fully healthy, ready to roll, and yeah. – pretty much give it to them. Even though it may have taken a while, they've given it to them um, in a way where they could not come back from. Um, that is something that's impressive and necessary for the Bulls. There was, and I think because of the talent that we have, especially with DeMar DeRozan, these games where they may have slow starts or they have good starts but go for long stretches of just of um, stagnation, whatever the case may be, you know, they're eventually able to flip that switch and come back. Keep the games competitive. Keep the games close, which is something last year the Bulls struggled with immensely. They wouldn't even uh, they wouldn't even try to keep it afloat at that point because of the lack of talent that was around them. So because of the fact that they have the talent and have players that are playing, that number one know their roles, and number two living up to that expectation, um, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to see. This that was a good win for the Bulls, a needed win for the Bulls. From, and for them to do it the fashion that they did is pretty uh, special, especially for Ayo. Ayo Desunu came out and yeah. really played his role and excelled in his role. It's going to be very difficult to see, um, or I'll be really intrigued to see, let's put it that way, um, how they integrate Kobe White into this rotation. I think I saw a report from our guy, Rob Schaefer, at yeah. Chicago talk about how, you know, they want to slowly but surely uh, – implement Kobe White into a 10-man rotation that may include this upcoming West Coast trip, which is a good thing for the Bulls, a good thing for us, for Bulls fans to see. But at the same time, you know, I think you, I think Iowa has earned his, his, his rank as far as giving this guy some potential play uh, minutes somewhere in this rotation, because he's strong defensively. He's rebounded very well as the off guard. And he has picked his, he's picked and chosen his spots, wanted to take advantage offensively, and he's exploited on, especially in the transition game. So Io was the spark with the it factor that the Bulls have needed in all these games where they have either struggled in the beginning or they have found long periods of time where offensively or defensively they've been very lackadaisical on the court. And for Iowa to step in the way that they have, you can't just automatically just leave that on the bench. 
You got to keep that. Keep that. Money. You can't leave it in. You can't leave it in Hoffman the states either. Because <laughs> 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 if, if that was the thing, like I think a lot mm -hmm. of if you thought about it before the season, it was like okay, he's just keeping the spot warm for Kobe or so or whatever. And you know, eventually Kobe's gonna come back, and he'll have to he'll have to you know spend some time, you know, because I. I don't think anybody, even all, even even us who were really up on Io, thought that he would take to playing in the league this quickly, and this this confidently, this quickly. Even though, even if we thought that he had the potential eventually to be a solid guy, like he's just he's just, he's been playing like a, a five year veteran mm -hmm. ever since the opening night, pretty much. And and as his minutes has grown, as his responsibilities has grown. He hasn't faltered yet, you know. And eventually, maybe he'll hit a, a rookie wall. Is it happens for most rookies, but right now he is assured, he's uh, confident, and he's not tripping about anything. But like you say, Josh, there's a challenge that lies ahead in incorporating Kobe White, who you you do want to feel encouraged and empowered as well when he's back, because you're going to need his scoring and his athleticism off the bench as well. But that can't come at the the uh, sacrifice of Io's development, and uh, you know, because like like you said, he's proven himself to be a great piece going forward for this team. Like you know, uh, it's been great to see. Yeah, it definitely has. I mean, honestly, Io is a testament to the benefits or the positive benefits of being a star player being and willing to stay at least a couple years in college sure. um, because of, because of that development factor. And it really is a blessing for the Bulls when you talk about how he was pretty much a first round talent that slipped into the second round into the Bulls hands. And he fits right into what, you know, Arturus Karnasovic and Mark Eversley um, view and want for this team, versatility, toughness, and have that grit. Io has that it factor. He's fearless, like you uh, you brought up before. And the fact that he's able to play at the rate that he's playing right now, yeah, he's way above, way ahead of schedule from a development perspective. And I'm honestly, maybe even change minds for saying what his ceiling potentially could be. Now, obviously, that's a long ways down the road. We have to see how he continues to develop, how he continues to grow as a player with the opportunities that he's given. But, um, like you said, you are, he's already changing narratives where you thought he was going to be a Windy City Bulls, you know, two-way player per se. And now yeah. you look at him like, nah, you got to keep him on this roster now. Uh, no matter, even with the players you brought in this offseason. So, you know, it, it's, it's going to be interesting how they play the Kobe White thing. I mean, I saw even tweets and, and reports, I want to say, um, that was, um, I was talking about maybe because of Iowa's development, you should trade Kobe White. Now, and I'm and I'm not fully a fan of that um, at all, especially since Kobe White is going to be more of a backup point guard role, where he can come off that second unit and be the, be part of that spark plug and act, and honestly do what Io does just at a better offensive rate um, for that second unit. And I think Io will play a good role as far as maybe a few minutes here and there, maybe not as many minutes he's been getting now. But just a few minutes just to spark the Bulls, give them a little plug, especially um, when you come from hitting a timely rebound, I mean, getting a timely rebound or getting a defensive stop. Um, 
within the, within the, uh, within the off within the flow. So it just depends. I, it really just depends. But the, I think the, the ceiling is high based on the turnout of, of the current roster structure of the team and Ayo's role within the team. I think he'll be able to excel in the role that he's in. And when Kobe White comes back, um, he, even though he may not be called upon as much, if he stays ready, he will contribute. Like he he, he wouldn't miss a beat. Um, and I think that, that that and that's good for the Bulls, considering that now they're making this push for not just to get into the playoffs, but literally make a deep playoff push, which is why they got the guy, guy that you got. You stay ready. You don't have to get ready. You know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, with that win Monday, as I, I brought up, I bring up the standings on my computer. You know, the Bulls kept the record up two to seven and three. You know, never too early to look at these things in regards to the the sort of horse race that you're running with the rest of the conference. The Bulls are, are in the top three right now. They're listed as second because, uh, I guess, of the uh, conference conference record. The Heat have one less conference loss than the Bulls right now. But they're both seven and three, as are the Washington Wizards. Uh, another surprise starting out the season. Those Sixers who given the Bulls, of course, the trouble that uh, they've given them are eight and four, uh, right behind those teams. And you got a, a couple, you got another kind of surprise team, the Cavs, seven and four, uh, right behind the Sixers, and Nets are seven and four as well, as well as the Knicks. And you look at uh, the Western Conference uh, again Friday night, big challenge. The Warriors nine and one currently. Uh, gonna be awaiting the Bulls, that best record in the league. Jazz are eight and three, but the Bulls knocked them off here in Chicago. Uh, Mavericks are seven and three, uh, playing now here against the Bulls. Uh, Suns six and three, Grizzlies, Clippers, Nuggets all six and four as well, and the Lakers are, are six and five. Uh, you know, as you look at all those teams, play up. You know, teams gonna be comp- competing for the playoffs definitely contending uh, throughout the rest of the year. But when you look at the starts, you know, who stands out to you uh, either as a a pleasant surprise or maybe, or or even as a, you know, uh, a a little bit of a disappointment so far. I think for me, the two teams, uh, I'll do, you know, one from the East and one from the West. Um, I say from the West, honestly, Golden State, um, just because, you know, Clay's out, they're not accustomed to, you know, quick starts or strong starts um, when, you know, the, the big three overall, whether it's Draymond Green, uh, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson are playing together or vice versa at the time when they had Kevin Durant. Um, without those guys, you know, they struggled last year mightily. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I didn't think expect them to have this strong of a start, but you got to get credit to not just – Steph Curry stepping up and being Steph Curry. I mean, dude just dropped 50 last game. So, you know, mm-hmm. you see stepping up and doing his thing. And it seems like Draymond, uh, a healthy Draymond is making a huge impact on both ends of the floor, like, like we, we know he's accustomed to. But at the same time, I think Jordan Poole, man, for most improved player, that man. dude is balling. He has, he has been balling and doing his thing. And Gary Payton the second, him as yeah. well. Uh, he's been doing his thing, especially defensively, and no, and playing his role um, on that defensive end. I think they got some two tough guys that can really exploit their role, their roles on this team. 
and really honestly help keep the team afloat until Clay Thompson comes back. And hopefully you get a very healthy Clay Thompson or at least 80% of what Clay Thompson was to actually give the Warriors a really good chance of going deep into the playoffs. Um, but that's the thing, like people didn't think like that they would you said you said you use the phrase keep afloat. Like, yeah, people thought at best that that's what they would be doing prior to uh getting Clay back into the fold. But if they floating, they in the yacht right now, you know, they they, <laughs> they they living good right now. And I saw some like some efficiency numbers they put up on ESPN today, and they to this point, they're starting out playing more efficiently than than the uh God, I forget if it was the the seventy three win team or the or the first team with uh uh with KD, but they got better numbers than those teams right now as far as what they efficiency. It, it's crazy, man. It, it's 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 wild. As if, as I get Gabe in, this is a good point to start off with. Uh, what's up, Gay? My DePaul brother. What's happening? Yes, sir. Yeah, but yeah, Gay. We just we just chopping it up right now, talking about surprises in the league right now. And I think the the maybe the primary surprise right now is Golden State not just being a winning team, but being you know playing the best ball in the league right now. And uh, you know, uh, you know, Josh already went into his son. You know. Feel free to uh, give us your opinion on on how the Warriors have started out. Man, I've been impressed with the Warriors. It's funny you guys are talking about them. I spent a lot of time last week watching them because I know the Bulls got a big game coming up with them this Friday night. Right? Yes, and sir. I've been very impressed with them deeply. Um, you know, seeing Gary Payton the second, you know, locking up like his pops, and, mm. and then you know being a very high defender. Um, giving a lot of energy and effort floor, you know, crashing the glass and so forth like that. He's playing at a level right now that I'm able to understand why they had a lot of faith in him being Steve Kerr and his coaching staff over the life of veterans such as Avery Bradley as he supplied them with a lot of youth, um, energy, and athleticism. Jordan Poole has been impressive, you know, being yeah. able to carry the team in stretches on nights when Steph don't have it, you know, um, it speaks volumes. To me, this is the deepest Golden State team I've seen since um, the 16-17 campaign uh, during Durant's first year with uh, Golden State in the Bay. So I I've been very impressed with what they've been able to do with this roster thus far. And it's going to be very interesting to see how far they go as a unit, as a group in a West that's going to be very competitive. And granted, you know, a lot of teams have gotten off the slow starts, but Golden State looking legit and that defense is um playing on a level that I haven't seen it at in quite some time since the championships. Definitely, definitely. But Josh, you, you mentioned the East team you wanted to highlight too. What, what was that? For me, man, I'm not gonna lie, it's them wizards. It's them wizards out in DC, man. Like <laughs> I, I didn't expect them to come out as great come out at the rate at the rate that they are, but you that, that Spencer didn't with really deal was oh, was huge for them, especially you had to, to figure that whoever got him was gonna come up, man. And and that was that was a great move for Washington. Yeah, great, great move. And and clearly it's showing. And not to mention um the the Lakers reserves from that Russell Westbrook trade. <laughs> they they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. They're playing 
like just let them know like yo what what happened with LeBron especially when that championship team wasn't no fluke we we can play we can ball especially yeah. Kyle Kuzma considering Kuzma got the most flat um for his lack of consistency during his time with LeBron he's proven and shown that he's shown to make better strides um not playing under that huge spotlight like that and uh same with Katavis Caldwell Pope and if you even got people like Montrez Harrell barking about how he's you know he's a different player because he's not playing in LA. <laughs> so um, I just think that be, with, with those trade, those complimentary pieces that came from that trade, combined with the Spencer did with the signing, it, it really boosted Washington to a, to a, in their offense to another level. And this, and they're doing this without one of their small uh, young talents and, and uh, Richie, uh, uh, I forgot his last name. How you spell it? How, how you say Rui it? Hachimura. Yeah, him. Um, <laughs> who has shown strides even last year, um, while while they were playing, he's shown shown strides before he had to handle his personal reasons and health issues. So, Washington, Washington to me was the surprising team that if you look at the standings, you could just from back, just based off of last year alone, you wouldn't you couldn't tell me that they would be in this position starting off this season. Yeah, and and this is that may put a kibosh on on all that uh bill trade talk, you know. I heard somebody on TV today still trying to talk about uh, – they were, I think they actually was talking about Golden State maybe trying to get them still at the, at the trade deadline. But I'm like, for one, neither team may not need to trade anything or at least trade their top pieces by, by February. You may be looking at teams that are buying, each buying, instead of a team trying to, uh, you know uh, – Sort of hawk the uh, DC into getting their guy in in order to enhance them. DC may be like, look, we trying to get us some talent in in here so we can close out our run for uh, for an Eastern Championship. So you know, who knows? You know, I, I I think I think a lot of people maybe are aren't quite sold on Washington yet because we we've seen Washington have some good good times and just fold and fold that into some bad stuff that happens, whether it be a good year that followed up by a bad year or even a good start folding up into a, a, a mediocre rest of a season. But, you know, like you say, Josh, like they got a lot of talent on their team and they seem to be playing together well, as well as they have in quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I like Washington a lot, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. Washington's done. Surprised? They they've been a very tough unit. Anytime you able to get a haul like they got in the Russell Westbrook deal, guys like Cal yeah. Kuzma, who, who you knew was gonna come in to prove Montrez Harrell, steady six man presence off the bench, no matter where he's, you know, whether he was in Houston in his early years or with the, you know, Lakers, and now you know the Wizards, he's been. And a very big time pickup for them. Dinwiddie, of course, and it's interesting to see what they look like when pieces such as Hachimura get back and Tom Ryan, who will be able to shore them up with some more depth on, on the interior. Next, um, Daniel Gafford, who's been playing impressive basketball as of late. You know, following his stretch a year last, besides Russell Westbrook after they got him from the trade with Chicago. So I, I like Washington. Cleveland's been impressive too, though. Cleveland's been very impressive early in the year. Yeah, yeah. With their defense, um, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley is looking like a guy who 
you know, he may be the first rookie since Tim Duncan to make an all-defensive team. He, mm. He's that legitimate. Um, he has that ability to impact games at that end of the floor, even when his shot's not falling. And the young guards, Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, it's unfortunate, you know, that he went down with a meniscus injury uh, as of right. early this week. But, you know, hopefully he doesn't miss a whole bunch of time because if he's able to come back soon and they're able to keep competing and locking in defensively the way they have, they're going to be in a lot of games in the Central Division that's gotten all the more better with the Bulls, you know, rising up to the top of the East, their standings besides the Milwaukee Bucks team right now that's a little bit banged up, but you need to come time for the end of the year in the home stretch run. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we mentioned we mentioned that uh, Cleveland team right before you came on. Uh, they you know they got a 7-4 and four record. You know, uh, I guess the, the Bulls allow Laurie to, to land in a safe place, you know, a soft soft landing for him, you know. He doesn't get to uh, gets to play for a team that can get some wins still, even you know uh, coming out of not a not the greatest end of his Bulls run. So yeah, good good young team in Cleveland, man, and, and like you say, Mobley is very impressive, and and Jared Allen is a, is a great piece just to build around in general. So and, you know we'll, we'll we'll see. I'm I'm interested to see how they play uh, against the Bulls uh, whenever they uh, match up against them. But uh, let's get uh, Valentine with his mixtape. You're going to be maybe standing out on Madison trying to sell something before the game. You, know? <laughs> you like hip hop? You know, you like basketball? <laughs> Don't let it be Valentine's Day either. He's going to be like, uh, I, got, I got a love record for y'all. Valentine's Day. Right, right. Yeah, the flowers with the with the CDs. <laughs> With the bird CDs, like you know, you, get them, you can get them two. You get them two for twenty, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, but I, I actually was, I was gonna I was gonna bring up uh, the Valentines a little later. Uh, we uh, talk, do a little college talk before we before we wrap off. You know, uh, his brother coaching Loyola, and they got a, a youngest coach in Division One, and they got they got. A lot of people still are expecting some good things from Loyola with Drew Valentine at the head there. Uh, We're we going to get into that in a minute, though. But uh, I want to close out the pro talk with a couple of talking points, uh, things that I've come across. Um, first, first, uh, you know, because we haven't had you on for the earlier part of the show, Gabe, uh, what, uh, we, what are your thoughts on the whole Jokic Nor- uh, Morris uh, the 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 Cold War that uh, may be heating up if if those brothers get in the same room, those Jokic brothers get in the same room with the Morris brothers. What what are your thoughts on that? Man, that was a crazy situation. But you no, know, I, I I understand you size. You know when you when you when you sit up there and you down in a game like that and you make a a bush play like. Um, Marquise Morris did and not to, you know, expect anything back in return, even though, you know, it was a chokage. I, I just, I think when they in Miami, they definitely gonna have to have extra security for that game. I tell you, um, just following, you know, the Nuggets Twitter and stuff like that, knowing how the Jokic brothers like the role, um, the way Butler, you know, responded. I, I, I know one thing that, that, that game in South Beach will pay-per-view, you know, televised, worth watching game because especially when you consider the fact that these teams only meet up twice a year. So 
You know, they they gonna have yeah. to have some security if they get South Beach, man. Cause um, yeah, I, I understand where Jokic's brothers are coming from and Jokic too. Right, right. Yeah, I, it, it's interesting that you mentioned pay per view because that's gonna be in, that's gonna be involved in my next uh, story that I bring up. But yeah, it's you know the Jokic brothers. I think that's that may be the funniest thing for a lot of people in observing this is that they get on Twitter for the first time to respond to uh well, well Mark whatever Mark I guess Marcus said on on Twitter talking about you know mm-hmm. oh you hit my brother in the back you know noted and all that and you know they get on Twitter they don't even put a picture on their account they just get on and start typing right away saying okay you don't want none of this and, and they go and he go back you know responding to them and you know all this and eventually i guess his mama got wind uh the morris's mama got wind of it and told him to stop talking mess online so but but like like you say uh <laughs> that may not be enough to stop any uh, agitation once they these two teams meet again so we'll see how it goes uh uh but uh it, it's another spicy thing uh people are talking about like the game getting a little rougher again and that's sort of being you know, I heard, uh, you know, uh, Brian Windhorst today speak that the league sort of wants this in a way, you know, not, you know, to to a manageable degree where things are getting a little bit more physical in the league. And that uh, leads to, you know, some more controlled scoring, which is going to be the third story that uh, that's going to be a part of the third story I bring up in a minute. But uh I don't know. You guys think that might be the case that the league may actually want more of this roughness back into the game? I think that I first to answer your question, yes, I, I do believe that. Um I also believe that for this pay-per-view uh, matchup, they're gonna want Rick Ross and DJ Kyle to sit next, next to each other so that way they can share uh lemon pepper wings and DJ Kyle keeps saying another one as he finishes his wing. So that's why I ain't gonna be there anyway. <laughs> I think that's what I think that's what they really want when it came to that pay per view. Just Rick Ross, especially he got this new album coming out. He's gonna promote the album through his through his lemon pepper thighs that's going through Wingstop right now. But anyways, as far as overall, yes, they want that because for, for the longest, um, since they implemented all these rules, they've seen over time how, um, in some ways, it eliminated the game. It helped decrease the value of the game. Um, you hear all the old heads, the legends talking about how the game is, is gone soft. You hear, um, you see how, and in some ways, it eliminates the defensive purpose of the game. Yes, they want to show more offensive highlights. Yes, they want to show more scoring, especially when you talk about Steph Curry uh, changing the narrative of what it means to play offense in the NBA because of his three-point uh, shooting range and play Thompson's uh, you know, three-point shooting range and the, and the efficiency that comes from that. Yes, it's changing the game of basketball with that. However, one of the best things about basketball is the defensive side of things, where a lot of those physicalities come from. And and the fact that from a defensive perspective, that's kind of been negated with with those uh, offensive rule changes to help cater to the offensive uh, player, you know, it makes the game less enticing at times. It makes it entertaining to watch. But from a true basketball fan perspective, you do want to see some form of defensive skill sets being enforced to help improve the quality of the game. 
And I think the league is actually is starting to realize that, especially when you get tired of seeing people like James Harden getting any type of foul that he wants, and he's shooting for almost 20 free throws at the line almost every game. Um, you know, it takes away from the elite, of the eliteness from a talent perspective, and you see the repercussions of that. Um, now that they made those changes, he's barely getting to the free throw line. And it's honestly for the better of the league. Um, I think they made a good choice of that. But I do think that this is just the beginning of what they ideally want to get back to, which is a more controlled version of, like, 80s basketball, per se, bring it into, you know, combining that with the new offensive style changes, which is more three-point shooting, more scoring on a fast more scoring at a faster pace. So it, eventually they, they could be engineering something that sort of gives you the best of both worlds in yeah. that way. I, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. And, but now, actually, I'm, I'm going to switch the order of these stories as I mentioned them. But uh, talk, you, you know, you talk about the league maybe sort of, if you know, engineering things and sort of dilly dallying and you know fixing things in the in the game or or you know maybe fixing something that isn't broke you know there's been some talk this week about you know some of the lower numbers that we're seeing in the league right now lower shooting numbers and and everything else associated with that uh some people have brought up the idea that the the new ball that's being uh provided by Wilson is maybe the source of some of this uh, these deflated numbers uh, that are coming, and I, I don't know. Gabe, have you heard any of that? Any of that talk about? I have, uh, I have it, but I will say this: I've been around pro athletes when they train, um, yeah. going up to you know Quest many a times. I know that it's an adjustment for guys that are coming from the college level to the NBA. To that basketball it is an adjustment period that players have to go through and it's not just even those guys but when you have new basketballs that are being you know inserted into the league it takes veterans a moment to get adjusted as well um however i don't think that that's the reason why we're seeing low numbers in regards to scoring or low numbers in regards to field goal percentages and stuff like that. I think that may be a factor, but I don't think that that's the primary factor. I think one of the main factors is the way in which they're calling games. And I think um, while they're trying to bring a level of physicality back into the game, I don't really believe that the league wants it to go back to what it was in the 80s. They definitely wanted control. Um, these guys are making too much money, and they're worth too much more. They're worth too much to their respective teams for them to go back to the way in which they play, you know, back in the bad boys, you know, Jordan rules era of the game. So I, I, I basketball has something to do with it, but I also think that it's a, it's a level of inconsistency with the way in which games are being officiated. I know that fans like to see hard nosed defense, but just speaking from the player's perspective and just listening the way that Damian Lillard was talking, understand what he was talking about last night in his post-game press conference in L.A. against the Clippers when he's talking about, hey, consistent. If you see a foul, call it. And I think a lot of stars are starting to get very annoyed and irritated with it. And as a byproduct, they're finding, they're, they're finding themselves having to adjust to the way in which the game is being called and how to – and they're not used to it. Because, you know, anytime you go from not getting 
to the line 10 times a night to now you get into the line maybe five times on a good night or twice, that's different. Especially when there's a score taught to do whatever it takes to get to the line. It is an art to this. It's an art to scoring. Just like it's an art to defend anything else. So I don't think the basketball really has anything to do with it as much as the way in which the game is being officiated. And I think that you have a lot of players who are frustrated. And sometimes when guys get frustrated, what do they do? You know, you, you irritate them enough or they get irritated with a ref. Sometimes they'll just jack up a shot just to force a reaction. The ref is going to call something. You know, I've seen James do that many times. I've seen Lillard do that a lot of times. Trey Young, Luka Doncic, you know, a lot of these guys do that. It, it, you know, I know James has become the poster boy for it, but, yeah. I mean, it, it's a lot, that lot of people who have went into that, into that bag. You know, Paul Pierce made a living doing it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I put up a post, a link to a post that uh is on pro basketball talk that uh you know sort of that sort of compiles some of the talk and discussion around the basketball. Like uh I I definitely hear what you're saying, Gabe. Like and, and most of the story line so far has been about the rules and the way that the game has been officiated. But this sort of this stuff about the ball. Uh, the Wilson ball sort of popped up last week uh, with some quotes that Paul George had, which is sort of interesting because Paul George has been scoring pretty well. But he uh, he's quoted as saying in this story, this post, uh, not to make an excuse or anything, but I, I said that about the ball is just a different basketball. It doesn't have the same touch or softness that the Spalding ball had. You'll see this year it's going to be a lot of bad misses I think you've seen a lot of air balls so far this season. That's uh, again Paul George saying that, and uh, like you said, the Spalding for you know anybody who grew up watching the NBA knows the Spalding for the longest was the official ball of the NBA. But uh, you know Wilson got the contract uh, this year, and uh, you know in this in this story by uh, uh, let me see uh, Kurt yeah Kurt Elin of Pro Basketball Talk he he uh, reports that. Wilson worked with pro players to test prototype balls. Mm -hmm. uh, Trey Young, Jamal Murray, he mentions as uh, the players that as players that they worked with, as they you know getting toward you know working with prototypes in order to get the ball to a, a certain place to the place where they were comfortable to use it for this season. And uh, but and like Gabe said, you know there's there's been mentioned about how players are. You know, uh, uh, habits, creatures of habit and whatnot, and they they like things a certain way. Pro players like things a certain way, so I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe it's a combination of things. Maybe uh, or maybe like uh, over time, you you, you figure that over time the guys will get used to the Wilson ball like they got used to the Spalding ball. Do, do y'all remember oh five oh six when the NBA was with Spalding and they? Introduced it, a new basketball that specific season, and during you know, the preseason, you had a lot of you had a lot of guys complaining about that. That was yeah, probably the first yeah. time in my life that I started recognizing just how important, you know, having certain habits for NBA players were, especially when yeah. it came to the basketball. Like I remember being a kid and sitting in a lot of Bulls games, and I would see guys in warmups test the ball, and they'd be like, "Oh, that's too flat." Or that's too this, or that's too that. I don't like that. Or it, it's okay. This is perfect. 
You know, that, that was the first time I could actually remember seeing it. And I kind of wondered if that would come back up with the Wilson ball. But I, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear guys complaining about it because it's going to be something that they got to get used to. And they've been so used to having that basketball. And if you think about it, Spartan was the official ball in the NBA for the last 35 years. So, mm-hmm. you know, now they're going back to their roots with Wilson. Yeah, I, I can see some guys struggling, but I don't think that that's the whole, you know, enchilada is the reason to why guys are just struggling, you know, to convert um, buckets. No, that's a, that's a, that's a true point. Uh, someone that, you know, had to adjust even from high school to college when I played uh, basketball. I mean, mm-hmm. in high school, we played with the Wilson. Uh, it was a smooth Wilson basketball. We played with mm-hmm. that. You mm-hmm. go to college, you playing with um, a whole different, I forgot the brand of it, but it was like a whole different, you know, basketball based on the league that you're in. And the NEIA, they had a specific basketball that I forgot what it was, but I had to adjust to it too. And it definitely took a little bit for me to do. Um, yeah, Rawling. I think it was Rawling or something like that. It took a little bit of adjustment to do. Um, I'm familiar with that. at the end of the day, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, shoot or shoot, score or score. You, you have to figure it out. Um, yeah. So that can't be, like Gabe mentioned, that can't, that can't be like a sole factor as to why we have low scoring. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to have to find your own way to put the ball in the, the, ball in the basket. And yeah. you have to utilize your art to do that which whether it is scoring from anywhere on the court or shooting anywhere on the court, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. So you have to figure that out regardless. So it's not a main, like I, like I, so I pretty much agree with Gabe, especially when we talk about trying to fill out a ball, a ball's too flat or um, there's too much air in a basketball. I mean, as a shooter, I prefer a ball that was kind of flat. That means easier touch on the rim. You know what I mean? So yep. if I have a certain miss, it's a good miss. But if I have too much air in a basketball, that's the difference between a short miss that can you can still get a rebound on or a second chance on to a long miss going all the way in the opposite, opposite end of the court and increasing opportunity for a fat for a fast break for the other team. You know, mm-hmm. things like that matter. And yeah, I so I completely understand players being outspoken about the different feels of the ball and how it may impact their routines and how they are accustomed to scoring the ball when it comes to previous times versus now. However, that shouldn't be that long of a change, nor should it be that much of an impact to where you're talking about the magnitude of how the game is being played right now. That's, that mm. shouldn't have that big of an impact on it, although it is a, play, a major role or plays a factor into um, offense, especially talking about offensively, scoring the ball, putting the ball in the basket, or even having or even the difference between more or less turnovers because you got to be able to dribble and handle the ball as well. And depending on the field, that's a completely different vibe from a dribbling the ball perspective. So it, it factors in a lot of things, but not as much as low scores and not being able to have, you know, in the physicality of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Gabe. I don't, I don't, I don't see that. Okay, I hear you guys. I hear you. I just like, <laughs> it just be funny to me, the idea of the, of the league's, like uh, saying my bad and switching like three months into the season. <laughs> like we, we going back with Spalding, y'all. We can't we can't do this Wilson stuff. But but I don't think that's gonna happen. The, the money be it's too much money involved with these type of things, and uh, you know they they gonna stick with Wilson and the guys are the guys are gonna get used to it. Uh, and but and and also like you say like to have a certain sea change that's involved where the the stats are low across the board or affected in any way across the board. You got to 
you, you will be more inclined to think that it has to do with the way that the game is being officiated or played out in a general sense, as opposed to an, an equipment adjustment. You know? And you know what else we're not talking about either? There are so many new officials in the NBA now, and that mm. plays a big role and factor in the way in which the game is being officiated too. A lot of the refs that we grew up with, like the Crawfords, you know, the Hugh sure. Hollins, sure. those guys are no longer in the game anymore. You got a lot of new refs now that are just like really trying to make a name for themselves. And they got an uphill battle each and every night, especially when you're dealing with such as a James Harden or a Paul George or a Damian Lillard or Kevin Durant, you know, who are so used to having these calls certain ways off of certain signature moves and so forth after working, you know, years and years to develop that, rep that, that, that reputation as a superstar in the game, you know, I, I think that's part of it as well. And they still trying to learn the, the rules as the rules are changing too. And I think that's why you see these, you know, some of these no calls, not getting called and so forth because you have a league that's trying to enforce and bring a little bit of the physicality back versus a league with his players who are like, what the hell's going on? Hey, you're right, Gabe. It's important who the referees are on a given night, who they're interacting with on the court as far as the players go. You know, the, there's relationships that develop between refs and players, and they yep. extend throughout the, the careers of both the refs and the players. So that so when you do have a change that happens amongst the referees, it, it, it can be meaningful. And, uh, you know, that's I, I didn't even know – about uh, any of that, I, didn't, I haven't read any reporting or seen any re reports about that. But uh, I'm gonna look into it, and and, and it's definitely uh, I could I could I, I definitely see how that could be an impact. The league been having officiating problems, in my opinion, going back to I say the 18 19 season. I remember, mm -hmm. you know, Chris Paul. Actually, I say 17 18 because this is my first year covering the Rockets. And I remember Chris Paul and the Players Association having a meeting in downtown LA with, you know, referees talking about the way in which the games were called. and was like, hey, it's a lot of new officiators, you know, out here, referees, like, it was going on. And it, and it has been an imbalance and an inconsistency that I think the league and the Players Association are trying to work together and solving and figuring out, and, and, while at the same time adjusting to it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh I'm move on a couple couple more things right quick. The last story is a little bit off the wall. Uh, actually, well, the next two, I guess, actually. But these are the last two I'm going to do before we, we finish up with the college stuff. But uh, I, I just wanted to get y'all opinion on Have you heard about the, Darren Williams getting into this <laughs> boxing match with Frank Gore? Like, I, I, I've heard that, you know, Darren is involved in, in, in mixed martial arts and stuff like that or whatever. And you know he's 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 a tr training and doing things and but uh I don't know what 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 is up with this dude man what 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 do we think about this is is you know uh, is he gonna you know Frank Gore you know you know football he's a t he's a pretty tough guy he's a he's a small guy but you know apparently they're fighting at a uh at a shared weight of two fifteen so he's gonna be pretty he's gonna be pretty buff out there himself 
And uh, you know, like I said, I don't know. I didn't know Darren Williams was. I I thought if, if Darren Williams could scrap, I would thought that he might have gotten into a fight in, in one of those uh games. He may have ran with uh 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 Luther Luther Head or somebody out in Maywood or something. You know, I I I I'd have, I'd have thought I'd have heard about his little knuckle game by now. You know, because I, I got people out that way. So you know. I, I I haven't heard nothing of the sort though, so I don't know if Darren Williams gets down like that. But apparently he, like I said, he likes uh, you know the fight game and he wants to get involved with a with a pro football player on that level. So uh, I don't know. What, what are y'all thoughts? I want to say maybe before the Nate Robertson fight, he threw us rumblings about him wanting to be in some in being that type of capacity. I want to say. So mm-hmm. it doesn't. I think I, I think I remember what you're talking about too. That when they yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to say it's surprising per se, but I do think that considering Darren Williams, um, you know, we, as the basketball player that we know, and outside of that, he doesn't have much of a reputation of being a super super tough guy. Uh, I don't know. I would think this will be more of a relevancy <laughs> component. Um, you know, just trying to keep the name up because, I mean, he did fall off uh, out of the NBA as, you know, as unfortunate that it was. Um, yeah. You know, but right. he, they, 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 I, I had I didn't mention there. It's it's on a uh, what a Jake Paul uh, card. So, yeah, yeah time of the Jake Paul, time and Fury. So, yeah, this is all, a, a lot of this is about celebrity and stuff and getting people, getting names that people know into a. You know, regardless of their their known ability to fight, you know, you, you just throw two famous people in the ring and see what the hell happens. I guess that's that's what so many of these cards are about. Yeah, I I, I don't know, man. I don't know what. I hope he's all right. I hope he survives this. He doesn't have a Nate Robinson moment. I don't I don't know how this is gonna go, but you know, it, it's getting to a point where it's like, okay, entertainment is entertainment. Do I really want to be entertained by watching Frank Gore? Potentially, as a football player, with as swole as he is, beat the heck out of Darren Williams in a fight. I, I, I'm not entertained anymore. I don't, I don't want that at all. So, I don't know. It's just, I just feel like this stuff is getting out of hand. But you know, like you said, everything's about money. About everything's about entertainment. I, I, I hope someone can tell me how it goes, and I'm just gonna be focused on something else. But that, this is just to me. I just feel this ridiculous at this point. But I hey. feel you. I, I could wait. I could wait for the Bud Crawford Sean Porter fight. I want, I want to see some real boxing. That's yeah, that's what I'm gonna be about. Yeah. But uh Gabe, you got I know you you know a little bit about the fight game. What, what are your thoughts, man? I'm definitely looking forward to that that Crawford Porter for sure. But about Williams and um and Frank Gore, I I I, I doubt I watch it, but I'm gonna give D Will his respect because I was listening to a knuckleheads pod earlier this summer that he was on. Where okay. he talked about prior to you know him falling in love with the game of basketball, how he was a wrestler, you know, in his childhood. So he got a little background in it, you know, in, in fighting. Maybe not, you know, with with his hands and boxing, but um, I guess you know, of course, you know, you know, it's for the check, and whatnot, and the payday. But he do got a little bit of background in it. But if I had to bet on it, I'm not betting against Frank Gore. I'm just I'm yeah. I'm not doing it. Frank no. Gore is um is one of a kind. That dude done been through a lot, you know. And for him to go through all the injuries he had in his football career and still be standing and still be rock solid and strong like he is, 
it's just a testament to him and his worth ethic. So, like I said, if I if I was a bad man, I bet Gore, but I, I doubt I'd be watching it. But I definitely will be seeing it, it, people's reaction to it across social media for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, last thing I'm gonna mention, uh, like I said before, the college, the quick college wrap up. Uh, this this is working off of our, our discussion we had last week. Uh, you know, Joshua and Hill, it was me, Drew, and uh, and Gabe. We were talking about Donda Academy and uh, you know, these prep academies and you know, the effect they're having on on, on the kids at that level. And uh, you know, a lot of them are especially in California drawing out Chicago bred talent, born and bred talent. You know, the Donda Academy is, uh, you know, just picked up the uh, top junior from uh, the, the class of 2023, J.J. Taylor, and he played on the Donda Academy team in their opening game in uh, Minnesota last week against Minnesota Prep at the Target Center. They played and they uh, lost. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit from Hypebeast.com, the, the noted sports section of hypebeast.com uh, despite showing great potential in their debut game Donda Academy lost by six points 92 86 uh, to uh, a little bit of editing here for Minnesota prep uh, they mentioned Zion Cruz scoring 15 points while uh, Rob Dillingham scored 18 there's no mention of JJ Taylor but he, he's mentioned in the story but there's no mention of his uh uh, points for what he's what he did in the game, but uh, you know, Ye was at the game apparently in Minnesota. He got you know that got some publicity there for the game, and he's with some model, I guess, because uh, you know he he don't want to be shown outshown by uh by uh, Kim Kardashian, who I guess she's smashing Pete Davidson, so he got to get him <laughs> a little dip to counteract that. So, but uh, I you know I don't even want to go into all that, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the Donda Academy is on one. So, you know, we, I, I think that's something I'm going to try to keep up with throughout the year and see how that, how that, uh, whole thing goes. But, uh, uh, you know, that, that sort of leads me into the whole, you know, we're in the amateur side of things right now. You know, uh, like I say college tipped off yesterday, pretty much the opening day of college ball. And uh, you know, Gabe, you know, help me out on that, man. You know, you you, you observed, you said you observed some of that Champions Classic yesterday. They had the uh, Kentucky Downing, Michigan State out there in Madison Square Garden, and uh, you know, Duke took down Kentucky. You know, you look at these schools. You know, Michigan State is trying to get itself back into things as a contender. Uh, Duke and Kentucky both missed the NCAA tournament last year, but they come into this year both in the top ten. It looks like they both got big. Uh, you know, Kentucky has is allowing its team to actually grow a little bit and mature a little bit uh, with some upperclassmen. The first time in a while they've been doing that. While Duke is in the last year with Coach K, and they're going all out. They're trying to uh, win one more for for the for Coach K, and they uh, they're sticking to their their recent trend of of getting the the high school All Americans, and uh, you know there's this this one kid uh, the 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 Italian kid looks like is is killing it right now. Yeah, he had a big game yesterday, 
you know, what, what are your thoughts on, on uh, this first big college action that we've seen so far? Well, if it was anything, uh, the two players that really impressed me the most that I saw highlights of last night in, you know, doses and ashes, it was Paolo Banchero, a dude, you know, 6'10", do-it-all type of forward who can mm -hmm. not only go get his off the dribble but can direct traffic in the flow of our offense. If he keeps playing at the, the rate that he showed last night at the Garden, I would not be shocked at all if he was a finalist for the Wooden Award you know, at the end yeah. of the season. I think he's that talented. Um, and I think he's likely put himself in a place where, you know, if all things go well, he'll definitely be a bona fide top pick in the draft. I was also impressed with Memphis, you know, albeit, you know, they were playing Tennessee Tech. Monty, Monty Bates, you know, yeah. looking very solid and, um, and fluid. You know, jump shot was looking pure. Um, Jalen Duran, you know, his, his motor. I'm like the way you watching Donda Academy, I'm watching Memphis like that in college basketball this year. Because here you have two guys who basically decided that they wanted to play together on the AAU circuit, mesh well, you know, together with team final with the EYBL at, at the Nike um, you know, AAU tournament. And then we're just taking in um dinners with the with the top, you know, coaches in college basketball saying, hey. You know, we, we're checking your program out as opposed right. to coaches coming to them because they were still in high school. And, you know, for, the power a like Imani, yeah, for a guy like Imani Bates to literally like go to Penny Hardaway and ask him, if, hey, can you offer me and, and, and show me how to play the point guard position? Um, I think that's going to be very fun to see. And this is a big year for that program, especially with Penny being a year four, not having made made it to the NCAA tournament you know, to get a top five recruit like James Wiseman, but we only got a chance to see him play three games in Memphis. But now to have these two guys, this could – if if Penny plays this the right way, and I believe that he will, you know, considering who he brought on to his coaching staff with Rasheed Wallace and Larry Brown, um, Memphis could very well be the next big-time powerhouse in college basketball if he plays it right and if they have some mm -hmm. success, you know, in an area where you know you're going to have a lot of Fortune 500 companies and boosters like FedEx around and mm -hmm. so forth, you know, rallying behind um, the Tigers. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on Memphis as well. I've been, you know, since Penny got that job, that program has definitely uh, gotten interesting again. And, you know, you look at, like I say, the combination of, of those players that they got now to for this year uh, – you know, let 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 off with Bates. You know, that's that's definitely some intrigue that could though know, they could do a lot to crash the party this year in in the college game. And you know, Penny, I'm I'm I got no reason to root against Penny, man. I think you know, of course, you know, with him being the the figure that he is and prominent in all of our our heads, uh, you know, coming into age watching him, you know, just he also seems to have a a professional focus on the on on the college game he's not really uh you know fronting on the kids or whatnot so you know uh, you know more power to them more power to memphis let's see what they do and and it's like i said it's gonna be interesting because last year you had a lot of the blue bloods that fell back but you know they're trying to come back this year you look at duke with uh with the kid paulo and uh you know i got a i got a piece on on our substack 
uh, with uh, Ricky O'Donnell helped me out with uh, you know some some of his observances about the college basketball season. He has that kid going number one in the next draft, by the way, and um, you know he has a uh, UCLA being a top favorite. Uh, I think quite a few people have UCLA being a favorite coming back with pretty much his whole team from that surprise Final Four run last year. They uh they started out with a win last night as well. So the the big time schools look like they're coming back this year. Just as the crowds are coming back and the tournament is going to be uh, a full tournament again, not centrally located in one spot. They're going to have it in different areas, including the United Center for regional. The the Mid the Midwest Regional is going to be here in Chicago, so that's going to be uh, pretty cool to look to. And uh, you know, right quick before we wrap up, you know, a couple words on the local teams. You know, we got Loyola. Like I said Drew Valentine. Uh, brother of, of Denzel uh, is the coach now, 29 years old when he was hired. He just turned 30 in May. So he's the youngest coach in Division One. He's making all of us look bad because none of us would be coaching a Division One team at 30. Uh, you know, I, I know I wouldn't have been able to, but, you know, Drew definitely is a guy with a lot of people are looking to have success in that role. Uh, you know, he studied under Porter Mosier, who – you know, used that, built up that program again and used it to get his job at Oklahoma. But, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the Loyola's becoming a, a nice mid-major brand. Uh, they got a win yesterday as well in their first game. Um, you know, I, I know you're covering DePaul, you know, uh, uh, Josh, and, you know, you're a DePaul alum. Uh, so, you know, you guys are starting out today against Coppin State, you know, so hope – Hopefully things will start out well there for the Blue Demons. And, uh, uh, you know, of course, you know, UIC is UIC, Chicago State is Chicago State. Uh, Northwestern, I think it looks like they – some heat may start to come down on uh, Collins up there if he don't show some more improvement. So uh, that's that's something you, you want to see them uh, make do. It's been I, – I, somebody said it. This has already been five years since that tournament run they had i was like damn that's been that it's been that uh that long already you know but, shout out to my brother vic law who i went to saint Rita with um who was okay. a part of the team yeah by the way that that was my guy yeah yeah that's what that's what's up and um uh illinois you know you of i had that uh great run until they ran into loyola last year uh you know we, we see Io doing this thing now with the Bulls, but, you know, the way his college career ended with, with Kofi and everybody last year was was just heartbreaking. Like, you know, uh, I, I thought it was Bull that they even matched up the way that they did in that second round. But, uh, you know, the better team won. But uh, Illinois still has a lot of talent coming into the, this year, returning. They were lucky enough that Kofi decided to come back. You know, he, he didn't didn't try the NBA and didn't try the transfer portal. Uh, you know, he has to deal with a suspension. Yeah. Uh, but, but just for the first three games, you know, he'll they'll get past that. They already won against Jackson State yesterday pretty easy. Uh, you know, Cabello, Andre Cabello, nice point guard, man. Really uh great playmaking point guard. You know, he was a he was he showed he emerged last year with that team and he should uh develop even more this year. They got some they got some other guys coming in. You know, uh 
don't know. You guys got any thoughts on on the local teams or any other teams as far as the college the college scene? I think for me, it's just um, outside of all the local teams you guys have mentioned. Obviously, you know, I'm, I got to keep tabs on my on the on my current school, DePaul. So we got to see yeah. what Coach Stubbs got to see what Stubbs gonna do, man. Got to see what Stubbs gonna do. Um, but uh, you know, same movie. Obviously, say I, I'm excited to see if, from a women's perspective what Bruno Coach Bruno's gonna do. Um, mm-hmm. They got them. Well, pre- preseason coaches poll has DePaul for women's ranked second behind UConn. This year, and they got some uh, good talent. I forgot the big, uh, their big name uh, center that they got um, from that's local, but she's a beast, man. That freshman's a beast, and she killed in the first couple games that they, that they played. Uh, especially, yeah, saluted, saluted Ali Quigley last night out there. Yeah, you know, yep. shout out to Quigs. Yeah, shout out to Quigs uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, th- I'm, I'm excited to see what the Paul women's going to do. But for me personally, because this is a personal matter for me, I'm gonna check out Marquette. I got my boy, my I got a cousin up, up there, Cam Jones, doing his thing at Marquette. Okay. So I, I got a follow, so I'm gonna be following Marquette pretty, uh, pretty closely and seeing what how that dynamic goes with uh, Coach Smart being there now. Um, you know, he with Coach Smart coming back home per se. Yeah. And, and what his uh, track record has been coming from VCU all the way up. You know, I'm I'm excited to see how that dynamic works with Marquette now. And um, I think Marquette, I think I saw last night in their opening match, uh, there they have nine new players, nine new scholarship players on their roster this year. With my with my cousin being one of them as a freshman, so, he's a fre- he's a freshman. Yep. A freshman yeah, he's a freshman, freshman, uh, freshman guard, uh, Cam Jones. So be on the lookout for him. He's going to do big things while he's over there. But um, oh, definitely you know, keep tabs on him. Yeah, yeah I must keep tabs on him too for sure. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. He, they, I, I was just with his family uh, today before, uh, before you know, coming on here. You know, family came through for the game yesterday up in Milwaukee, so they were able to see uh, see the family a little bit before hopping on here. So I'm definitely gonna keep the tabs with them. Um, it's gonna be hard because you know they playing against the Paul twice. So I gotta think. Yeah. I gotta see how that's gonna work. <laughs> that's <laughs> gonna be hard. Gonna work out, you know. But. Yeah. Um, but, but outside of that, you know, that's family. So I'm definitely going to be on the lookout for Marquette this season and see how they do. Those games should be fun, though, the, the, those Marquette-DePaul games. Always and, are. Yeah. Yep. And we, we may be in the house for some of those games as well. I, you know, there's a you know good chance Josh is because he works for uh, the DePaul paper. But, uh, you know, I got to, you know, uh, look out for some stuff we're going to try to do uh, on the local side, especially with college ball coming up uh you know we should have some access actually for uic uh that's something that we did several years back with uh with we are regal radio uh we uh actually gonna look to do that again uh maybe some depaul as well some access there so yeah well we we don't we don't try to do some some new things and, and in regards to some new things i'm actually gonna uh try to get off a, a little twitter space you know, I think before I mentioned uh, I was going to do like a, a full show before the Bulls-Warriors game on Friday, but actually I'm reducing that. I'm trying something new. So, you know, be patient with me. It may not work out as well as I hope, but I'm going to try it out, and we're going to do a Twitter space. So that's going to be a thing where, you know, just drop by if you're on Twitter or not, you know, about 8 o'clock before the game on. On Friday, we you know I'm gonna be there. Uh, you know, 
a couple of the guys may be here from the show, hopefully. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm letting you know now, Gabe, you know, if you ain't got nothing better to do. Uh, I know Josh going <laughs> to be at the, the, the Paul women's game, so he won't be there this time. But, uh, you know, I think uh, Drew should be there. But, we, you know, we're just going just gonna to chop it up for a bit. You know, like I said, get, get some anticipation for the Bulls-Warriors game. And, uh, you know, do get just get engage in some discussion. You know, if you if you got some questions, people out there who have questions or whatnot, you know, could ask us questions and we they say just chop it up in a friendly way before the game. But uh also like I said, uh, you know, got that coming up on Friday. Uh I got a holiday role at Lazenby. I don't think I told you, uh, Gabe, but uh the author role at Lazenby is gonna be on the show next week. Uh setting that up right now. I talked to him today. I, I got him on because with the Scotty stuff, it's like I want to. Uh, there, there was a tweet too. I said it before you came on, Gabe. There was a tweet of an excerpt that came from a Roland Lazenby book that I had uh, I hadn't seen before, and the the, the mm-hmm. quote the, the the excerpt was actually about uh, Scotty mourning a dead cat that he had during the first three P, and how that affected uh, him and Horace Grant. Who uh you know mm-hmm. you know of course had a, a big friendship during that time, is but you know that just seeing that sort of made me think of Roland and and I, I kind of want to get more of that story and maybe a few other stories out of him, you know he's cause he got stories for days uh, with as much of that he's covered and then and uncovered in the NBA going back to those days of the nineties a lot of books from him Michael Jordan Kobe. You know, uh, yeah, there's like all types of uh, uh, history that he has covered in the league. So look, look out for that. Uh, should be next Tuesday, uh, and uh, yeah, that's gonna be it for now. Though we're gonna wrap up this edition of running. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate Chris uh, who uh, was on earlier. Uh, anything you guys want to get out before we uh, head out? ITS is back, baby. In the scope no, is not back. much, man. In the scope is <laughs> okay. back. In the scope is back. Um, you guys have me on as always. Appreciate, appreciate it, guy. Appreciate it. All right, go, go ahead, go do it. <laughs> no, you I'm saying the scope is back. Um, you know, we started out last week with uh with my guy Blue Check Tone. Got Tony Gill. Had Tony Gill on the show. Uh, this week we got uh, Dwayne Rankin from the Arizona Republic, the uh, brother to us. That's you know talked to us about the whole investigation that's going on with Robert Sol- uh, Sarver and what's yeah. really go- and what's going on behind the scenes with the Sun. So we got that going on, and just be on the lookout for more episodes to come. Um, you know, with that NBA season going on, everything it's it's time to get it's time to view things in a different scope. Uh, so. Uh, that's I'm just you know excited to bring the show back, and uh, you know look forward to keeping that um, going on moving forward. Yeah, great man, appreciate that, Josh man. Uh, love to see you doing the endoscopes. Uh, good, you know, just good basketball. Like I said, if you like this show, you love endoscope. More basketball talk, in depth talk with uh, people who uh, definitely uh, help cover the game and make. Uh, you know, uh, uh, like, like I say, make a discussion on the game, you know, everything, spark things on on the stories that make the league go round. So that's 
that's big reason why you check out in the scope if you want a lot of that. But uh, yeah, Gabe, man, uh, appreciate you, bro, and uh, definitely follow Gabe. What Gabe Anything. said, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. And uh, yeah. uh go, go ahead. Oh, good. Yeah, this is a little lost in translation there. But uh, Josh, yeah, what uh, uh, your your uh, yeah, go, go ahead, and give me your Twitter right quick. I forgot you. <laughs> <laughs> At Josh M Hicks Media, you can find that's Instagram and the Twitter. For sure, for sure. And uh, yeah, read them in the the what's the the, the Paulia? I, I don't know. I never. The Paulia. The Paulia. That's that's yeah. what it is. I know what's it's up, man. I didn't get yeah. that first time. The Paulia. <laughs> uh, okay, I know how to try. I know how to pronounce it now. I'd be worried about that. But, you know, <laughs> Paulia, that's what's up. Read them in the Paulia as well, and uh, you can, uh, like I say, read read me on uh, on our uh, uh, God the uh, <laughs> uh, our, our Substack War Ready. Uh, follow War Media on all up all the major platforms: Twitter, Facebook. Uh, YouTube, Instagram, uh, subscribe on YouTube. You know, get your get your advanced notice when we go live on the streams and all that. And uh, you know, check the you know, get in the chat, man. You know, I say the chat, the the, the inbox is open, man. For whatever y'all want to get in, you know, holler at us, you know. And uh, like I say, check us out Friday with the, the Twitter Space. Uh, follow uh, like I say, follow War Media on Twitter. And uh, you should get uh, informed about when we go live there. So that's this Friday, 8 o'clock, leading up to the Bulls Warriors. Uh, that's it for me. Means Matters on Twitter, K-Mean on IG. Uh, We're going to wrap it up, get back to the second half of that Bulls game. I haven't watched any yet, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on that. And uh, that's it for now, y'all. Y'all stay stay peaceful out there. Take Keep taking yourselves. Take care of as many others as you can. And we're going to keep bouncing.